Podcast. This is episode 39 of the only English language podcast all about Brazilian football. I'm your host, Peter, joined as always by our other host, Enric. Enric, how are you doing today? Hello, Peter. I'm doing pretty good. Again, exciting to be here and talking about Brazilian matches that uh, happened last week. Yeah, we have match week two uh, of the Brasileirao and we have Copa do Brazil to talk about as well. Uh, before we get to that, though, two little items here. Uh, Copa America, under 17. Um, we talked about it a little bit before I joined Martin Benitez, friend of the pod, to talk about Brazil's uh, youth team. And they had a chance to win, I think we mentioned last week, uh, the Copa America. Um, and they did so, beating arch rivals Argentina 3-2, to while their closest competitor, Ecuador, um, Drew with Venezuela, 1-1, meaning they top the table, 13 points, and they are champions. Uh, They already uh, qualified for the U-17 World Cup, but uh, another trophy in the the trophy cabinet. So awesome to see, Enric. Any any thoughts on this, or um, or should we just move on and then, again, reiterate our congrats? Yeah, it's huge congrats to Brazil national team under 17s and hopefully they continue to do good and who knows how these players are going to turn up. Maybe they're going to be the next stars for the national team and hopefully they're going to be able to do that for us soon. Yeah, so again, congrats to them. Uh, and uh, the second note, we'll just talk about, Enric, talk to us about the uh, the final between Sport Recife and Retro. Uh, it's the last state tournament. I can't believe these are still lingering in here, but uh, an old an old friend popping up uh, for Sports Hasife. Yeah, no, other than Wagner Love uh, getting a goal in with, for Sport, even though they won two one in the first leg while playing away, they were still able to come back home and win two 0 against Retro, which makes it four one in aggregate. Wagner Long, Love, once again, scores. Gabriel Santos as well. And this is Sport Recife's 43rd title. And they have the most in their state. Uh, the second is Santa Cruz, which is surprising to me. I think they were a good team back then, but now they're sitting either in third or fourth division. And then Nautico comes third with 24 titles. So Sport Recife long way above the rivals and of course uh in the Recife state i think this is the team that most of the people recognize so great to see them win this title yeah yeah yeah. and uh i i do believe they they share the nickname lion of the sea um with santos so uh congrats to them and we'll get to them in the Copa do brazil a little bit later because they've been succeeding there as well but it's time to jump into the uh, second round of the Brasi de Rao. Uh, we've got Fluminense and Atletico Paranaense up first. Uh, Flu, of course, in fine form. And they keep their form against a really formidable opponent, uh, Atletico. Um, Enric, did you think that uh, Flu were going to cruise through this game like they did and, and keep the clean sheet? 
Well, on paper, it would seem like Atletico Paranaense is a great team. They have great players and great strikers like Vitor Roque. But again, Fluminense is just on another level. And after their opener last uh, weekend against, I believe, America, which they won 3-0, they were able to do sort of the same thing against Atletico Paranaense, 2-0 at home. And it only took five minutes for Herman Cano to hit the post. So maybe he would have been uh, in the score sheet, but unlucky for him, wasn't able to do so. And Atletico Paranaense left too much room in their box. Lima scored with a bullet shot. And even after 34 minutes, some beautiful passing combination led to another beautiful goal. But again, uh, this was ruled offside and... Fluminense ended up the first half with only one goal and a very definitive first half for them. Uh, they're just incredible. And it goes back to that predictions that we made uh, a couple of weeks ago. We both agreed for Palmeiras to win the title, but it seems like Fluminense is keeping the rhythm in the beginning weekend. So we'll have to see how these uh, upcoming games are going to be turning up for them. In the second half, uh, Nino's header came out of nowhere and it was really unexpected from the type of play because it was a cross that got passed first and then crossed to the players. And again, Nino, beautiful goal, which sent Fluminense 2-0 up. Tedeco had their chances in the second half, but Flu it was just on another level, as I said earlier. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect uh, summary there of it. They were on a different level. Um, and you can really see that. I'm just looking at some of the statistics right now. Possession. Of course, you would expect Denise's uh, team. I mean, they can do a lot of different things, but they love to have the ball. 62% versus 38%. Uh, you would not expect that sort of dis- uh, differential between two top end teams. Athletico for me, and I think for both of us, is pretty high up the table in our predictions. Um, so... Uh, I mean, straightforward win, I guess you would say. Um, uh, Andre almost added um, a goal in there. His, his goal was called off, but a really nice player there um, playing in that midfield position. And I wanted to say also, you know, uh, when we had Pete, which, by the way, uh, go listen to the extended interview with Pete uh, last episode, episode 38. But he was saying, um, you know, Kano, they're kind of a, a one, uh, one-man team, Herman Kano, um, if he goes down, then, you know, they, they could have trouble finding goals. So, uh, I always like seeing these, uh, these games where, you know, they've got different players contributing, like you said, Lima got a little bit lucky, but, um, Nino with the goal and of course, Andres putting the ball in the net, but, um, not getting, uh, not getting credit for it. Um, so, you know, they are capable of, uh, of finding some goals, uh, when there are not, uh, when Gonzo's, or excuse me, when Herman Cano's not firing them in. So uh, great for them. And uh, it means pretty much nothing at this point, but they are indeed top of the table. Uh, they've got six from six and uh, you can, um, you can definitely count on them on, on, on keeping up their, their red hot form. Um, all right. So flu uh, getting the win there. And Sao Paulo, a team that's uh, experienced a little bit of up and down, uh, but they're beating America Monero uh, 3-0. And it's the first game in charge for the new manager, Dorval Jr. Yeah, and what a performance the Sao Paulo team had while playing at home. America, once again, an embarrassing defeat, back-to-back 3-0 losses for them. And Sao Paulo was really... 
impressive in the first half and even in the second, although they only scored one in the 21st minute with Luciano with the ball uh, that barely went under the keeper's gloves. Still, it was an incredible goal. And the goalkeeper for Sao Paulo was also having an impressive uh, performance. Yeah, and just on that first goal, uh, uh, I can't remember. It must have been last year, maybe even earlier this year. But Cavicchioli, the, the the keeper for America, we've been praising him. I think he was in a shootout. He made some great saves, but really poor keeping for me, uh, letting the ball get by. Uh, the goal looked great uh, from Luciano, but uh, poor poor keeping um, you know, skill from Cavicchioli right there. Yeah, Cavicchioli really had an amazing performance. Well, not so amazing, but still, like, things could have been even worse for America if it wasn't for him, maybe a 4-5-0 or five nil defeat. But on the other side, Rafael played really well, and he had some incredible saves on his end, which helped Sao Paulo keep a clean sheet. And Sao Paulo seemed like they were struggling in the second until Caleri made it 2-0 from a header. And... 82nd minute meant that America had nothing to play for and opened up uh, room for a third goal, which came for from an error by America's player, which he seemed like he was passing the ball to the keeper, but the pass was too poor, and that led to a steal and a third goal for Sao Paulo. So America ends up with zero points. Uh, Sao Paulo, this is the, their first win after their uh, loss in the first week against Botafogo. So great to see them turning up and starting this Dorival Jr. era in a good way. Yeah, and I'm definitely optimistic um, about their their performance going forward. Dorival Jr., for I think for both of us, um, is, is a very capable coach. Um, Want to just add, yeah, just and reiterate, Javier was was excellent, um, and uh, and you know it's it's nice to see Luciano and Caleri uh, banging in the goals. Two great players who I think have really been um, supporting this this kind of average Sao Paulo team. So um, good to see them. Uh, Arison, uh, the striker, formerly of Botafogo. Um, in fun form earlier this season, the state tournaments should be coming back for Sao Paulo soon. Uh, he's just started trading, um, training with them recently. Um, and uh, he'll be back soon. So they, they could really have a three headed monster um, in this, uh, in this year's edition of the Brasil Rao. Um, also just one other note on Sao Paulo, um, the player Pedrinho uh, on loan from locomotive in Russia has officially had his contract rescinded. Um, apparently, he was making some death threats uh, against his ex-girlfriend. Um, so, obviously, that's not a good situation. And the club, um, uh, you know, it will give them credit here. They did, they did the right thing, and they rescinded his contract. So, um, we'll see what where he ends up. But uh, for now, Sao Paulo will be happy. Uh, the 3-0 win and, and Arison coming back uh, pretty soon. Um Cuiaba and Red Bull Bragancino uh, tying one all. Um, Red Bull probably hoping to get the the win there. Uh, Cuiaba um, as was at home. Uh, but I want to just skip ahead here to a more surprising result. Uh, Cruzeiro beating Gremio. Of course, Cruzeiro was at home. But really surprising result. You and I both had Gremio really high uh, in our prediction episode. Um, and I thought this game was sloppy and I thought 
Cruzeiro, you know, you look, you maybe look at some of the stats between the two teams and it looks even, but Cruzeiro for me had the far better chances and um, they capitalized and, and got a one nil victory. Gremio uh, need, need to do more. Yeah. And let's not forget, uh, we might see this as a normal game, but this is actually a rivalry that happened in Serie B last season. So these two teams both got promoted. Cruzeiro finished first and Gremio second. And just like in the scoreline, Cruzeiro is able to win the game. And we both had uh, Gremio sitting up the table because we both had that idea that Luis Suarez is going to have an impressive year, but it doesn't seem like it's going this way. Age is probably playing a factor in this role in the team. And they seem like a team that they're struggling. And so they did against Santos, which we both thought that maybe Santos is going to be losing two or three nil was not the case. Gremio barely won by one goal and Luis Suarez again missed the penalty kick. So great to see Cruzeiro uh, come back and win their first game of Brasileiro this season. And then, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Peter, but this is uh, the goalkeeper's first win. The keeper that plays for Santos, Rafael Cabral, their his first win for in Brasileiro since 2013, when wow. the team won one 0 or two 0 against Corinthians right after Neymar left a week or two later. So it's been a long time. He's played in Napoli. He went to Derby, I believe, in second division of England and came back to Cruzeiro. So now he's back at Serie A. So great to see him getting the first three points in a long time. Yeah. He just, for whatever reason, didn't work at Napoli. I think, um, I think it was Reading, not Derby, but, um, but yeah, it is great to see him. Uh, Loved him back in the day for, for Santos, of course, the Betadores champion in 2011. So big congrats to him for getting that win. And, and to be fair, great game from him. I think he had something like seven saves. Um, so uh, not a bad day at the office. So uh, Cruzeiro getting the win. Uh, Bruno Rodriguez uh, is the uh, the lone goal scorer. Um, so congrats to them. But, Enric, let's get into probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, fixture of the um, the, the second round of the Brasilia Rao. Uh, we teased it last week. <clears throat> These are two teams that were fighting for second place last year. Um, and you know, I think expectations here that we had Flamengo would be taking, you know, a step forward and, and challenging for that title this year inter, I think we both had taken a step back, but it is inter that come up on top two to one. Yeah. And I'll have to say, first of all, overall, this was a boring match in terms of time that was being played. It was 11 AM in Brazil, 10 AM or our time. And I just, I'm not a fan of the big games like these getting played during the day. I don't like the emotions that probably the fans experience. I don't like the lights that are coming from the stadium and reflecting into the field. Like half of the field is shiny and half is dark. And let's not even mention when all the beams and wires and all are visible on the, in the field, which is something I really hate. What do you think about that? Do you think this this game should have probably been played at 3 p.m. or 5 or 7, maybe during the night. Yeah, I think there's something about, I mean, having a a, a night game that just makes it so much more, um, I don't know, they're just, it seems like there's more 
uh, pomp and it's it's more meaningful in in some bizarre way. Uh, that's why you know Champions League is so cool. You know, it's always at night uh, over in Europe, and uh, for me, I think it's a little bit more special. Uh, so I would agree with you. Uh, unfortunately, I feel like it's just with all the different teams and and uh, you know just the tradition, I guess, of of the leagues on the weekends here. It's not always possible. Uh, but uh, generally, I would say I agree with you. Yeah, this was a special game. And uh, going into the match in more depth, uh, Gabigol uh, scored in the 16th minute, but Gerson was ruled offside. And other than that, the first half was pretty dead. Not too much going on. Second half, it was more exciting for Ruben Negros as they shot near post twice and Gerson scored, which gave Flamengo the lead for four minutes because after four minutes, Mauricio was able to equalize and he scored 1-1 for Inter. Flamengo had some huge chances later, which saw Gabriel Arbo, Samarino, and Gerson shot all saved. But then I think Mateus Cunha uh, had the ball into the post, and Inter was really lucky there not to concede. Um, yeah, and I just want to say that Gerson, you know, he came back to Flamengo. He left, didn't work out in Europe. He came back, and he's really impressive. I think he's, you know... Um, He's been kind of streaky uh, upon his return to to Brazil. He hasn't always been there, like a lot of this Flamengo team. But this game, like you said, I mean, he's all over the pitch. He is, like, covering everything. Um, you know, you always see that meme on Twitter. Oh, the earth is covered. 70% of it is covered by water. The other 30 is covered by insert player name. That I always... I thought of him in this game. He was everywhere. And that goal for me, I, I thought that was really impressive. It was just, like he was so persistent it was just a brute force goal. He was going to score that goal. And, and ultimately he just punched his way through the defense, not literally, but, uh, and, and basically guided the ball in uh, with, with players flying all over. So impressive stuff for, for, from Gerson for me. Yeah. And even in, during his time when he played in France for Marseille, I think he was mainly a left wing. And I remember a quote from his dad or someone close to him like frustratingly saying that he deserves more playing time. And I'm not sure if it was about the club in Marseille or for Brazil national team, but mm -hmm. there were things mentioned like he might be even better than Neymar. And during <laughs> that time, uh, I was thinking like, who is this guy? Like, what is he even thinking? And now that I see him play for Fl or yeah, Flamengo, he's really putting in some impressive performances and sort of like Everton, uh, Sabolinha coming into the club and really impressing whenever they have chances. Uh, Gerson is doing the same thing. And the goal that he scored again was really cool. He seemed like he was bouncing the ball up and down like two yeah. or three times. And somehow the ball ended up going into the net. Yeah, and, and and when he was at Marseille, I mean, he was with under Sampaoli for most of the time, I believe, too. So uh, a reconnection here in, in Rio de Janeiro uh, between Gerson and, uh, and Sampaoli. Exactly. And again, Gerson scored, Mauricio tied. And after that, again, that match, just like the first half, until we saw eight minutes at a time. And that's all Inter needed because Mauricio scored and gave Internacional a 2-1 win in the last minute or second. I'm not sure. And really crazy how this game ended. I thought that Flamengo had the better match, but Internacional came back from a 
defeating result and we were able to win the win the game and uh Mauricio scored a really beautiful goal which uh with the ball curling into the far post even if he had missed a shot I think that a penalty would have been awarded because the player was fouled into the, in the penalty area during the play so Inter for sure would have gotten a 2-1 win even if Mauricio's shot had one wide yeah for sure but I mean let's even just back it up there for a second because Maybe a minute or two into added time, Gabriel and uh, Everton Sabalina were right knocking on the doorstep of of um, the inter keeper Keller. They almost had the ball. They had the ball past him. I think it was a clearance, not off the line, but from behind the keeper from one of the center backs. And they came so close to Flamengo getting the win. And then minutes later, like you said, Mauricio, what a finish too. Uh, kind of bending it and curling it around the keeper and uh, ending up in that that far corner of of the net and the inter crowd went bananas it was it was what a moment it was it was awesome that's what you love about the sport and what you love about brazil um just the passion and it, it, it was incredible um and mauricio you know this is a player that wasn't really on my radar um I I'd done a little bit of research into him and he's scored some goals throughout his, uh, his, his brief career. He's, but he's, he's only 21. So, you know, this guy could be the next kind of hot thing um, uh, in Brazil. And um, who knows? I mean, this could even be a situation where he might uh, get a move abroad, you know, as he, he shows his prowess and he came on and, and replaced Pedro Henrique, who of course is one of the, the stalwarts for, um, for international. So um, maybe a changing of the guard moment, maybe just a, just a, a great game from Mauricio, but uh, keep your eye on this kid, 21 years of age. Um, he's uh, an impressive player and uh, a player to watch. All right. So Inter do get the three points over Flamengo. Flamengo's uh, Sampaoli heading home with nothing uh, for the first time in this tenure uh, with Flamengo. Uh, but let's keep it with uh, another uh, Rio de Janeiro team. Vasco da Gama hosted Palmeiras. And this was another juicy one. I think we we shouted it out last week. Um, the upstarts Vasco, who, again, we had high up the table, versus the champions, Palmeiras. And Vasco were storming out of the gates. I mean, how could this not have been juicy? Uh, I mean, Vasco <laughs> won against Atletico Mineiro last weekend, which was crazy. They played away from home against Atletico Mineiro, were able to get three points, and Palmeiras has been struggling. Of course, Ronnie hasn't been there for them, but it seemed like they were coming back from defeats, even in the match that they played against Cerro Porteno. They lost first half and scored two in the second, which saw them win the match, and they lost to Bolivar the week prior to that, so they're not been doing really great, and that's what happened into this match. Uh, Pedro Raul scored an amazing header after Alex Teixeira gave a wonderful cross to him. 11 minutes later, Pedro Raul almost gets his second. Weverton saved the ball, but Gabriel Peck, or yeah, Gabriel Peck uh, got the rebound and scored 2-0 for Vasco da Gama, just like in the first round. 
And again, in the last minute of added time for the first half, they concede one after Rafael Navarro's uh, scores. I believe that was a header as well. And that's all Abel Ferreira needed going to the second half because they had everything to play for and get a 2-2 result and even a third goal. So I think Vasco was really lucky not to concede and completely lose the whole match. So uh, looking at how the game went, maybe they deserved the three points because they had a 2-0 lead. But still, one point is really good against huge, huge uh, team like Palmeiras, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you had offered them one point before the game, they would have gone for it. But I think, like you said, after that first half, I mean, you thought, well, I mean, uh, after the first 40 minutes, you, Vasco, you know, you you could just tell that they were feeling themselves and they thought that this was going to be their day and they were going to get their 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 win against the champions. Uh, they could have had it, but that 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 goal at the 45th minute from Rafael Navarro, um, again, one of those players, kind of like Mauricio, not really on my radar. He's been popping up this year but for me uh, you know I, I just he wasn't really wasn't really there for me but he's definitely on it now it's just 22 years of age as well so uh, a nice young player and playing at that striker position um for for palmaris and and being a crucial player so far this season maybe not bagging goals but scoring some important ones um but again that that they say some of the most uh, the most important goals can be scored right before uh halftime and right after halftime and 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 you saw that here uh and you know you feel a lot better going to the dressing room down 2-1 than than 2-0 um and Vasco I think they got a little bit over their skis here they were feeling themselves um and you could see the experience that the champions Palmeiras have and uh the young upstart Vasco I think they got a little bit um, uh, you know, they got not schooled, but, uh, cause they do go home with a point, but you can see the, the difference between the champions and kind of this new red hot young team, but that's not take anything away from Vasco. They are looking great. And I think regardless, this was still a statement. They came home with a point, um, and all their key players are firing right now. Pedro Raul, Gabriel Peck, again, a player that has been red hot this season so far. So Vasco, for me, the, the takeaway here is that Vasco are for real. They can go toe-to-toe -to -toe, uh, with the best in Brazil. And um, like you said, I mean, they they had a great first half and they kind of let it slip in the second. But um, but yeah, they, they are definitely for real. Um, Artur again, um, uh, scoring for Palmeiras. So he's, he's fit like a glove in with, uh, with, um, the Sao Paulo team coming over from Red Bull. So, um, yeah, just a really entertaining match, especially that second, second half. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think at the end of the day, both teams will be happy with one point because it's not like Palmeiras won in the or lost in the first round and, they really needed the three points, and I'm sure they've seen Vasco da Gama play in the Campeonato Carioca in matches where they could have possibly beat Fluminense and Flamengo going to the finals. So both teams are really good, in my opinion, and one point for each is fair to say, although we Palmeiras is a team that we don't really like, but at the end of the day, uh, one point is better than three points, so we're we're happy to see that result for both teams. 
Definitely. And we go from that match of high quality and scoring to a match that didn't really have a ton of either. And in fact, it had no goals. Um, two teams that I think have been pretty disappointing this season so far. Santos getting their first point of the season, but uh, not looking their best. Uh, Atletico Minero, of course, lost the first week um, and they didn't look like their champion winning self from two years ago. Um, Santos nil, Atletico nil. Enric, uh, any thoughts on this one, either coming into it or how the match played out? Well, uh, I'll start off by saying that regardless of the score at the or the final result at the end, uh, as football fans, we would like to see goals being scored, even if that meant for Santos to lose 3-1 or 4-1 or 4-2. Still seeing goals is a beautiful thing, and this is something that we've been missing for the past weeks or month. Uh, we won 1-0 in Bolivia, I believe, then came back and lost... 1-0 to Gremio, and then we had that game against Aldax, 0-0, and then another 0-0 uh, draw. So two goals in the last four games is something that I don't really like. And it seemed like Santos uh, starts off the game really well in the first five or ten minutes and then plays defensive uh, for the first half, goes back into the second makes some really good chances again, and then sits back defending throughout the whole game. So this is not something I like for the fact that we were also playing at home. And we know how Atletico Mineiro has been struggling recently. And if teams are like Vasco and Atletico Paranaense and other Copa Libertadores teams are getting results against an Atletico side, why can't we get the same thing while playing in Villa Belmiro? And this is something that I would have really liked to see. Uh, Lucas Lima's finesse shot almost went in, but Everson made an amazing save and he had a great performance as well, uh, joined by uh, Joao Paulo. And in my opinion, if we don't have him as a keeper, Santos would have definitely lost two or three now. Tergo uh, Mineiro had an incredible chance to score in the 36th minute, but a player hit the crossbar with an open net so really crazy to see that and we got really really lucky there the defender that we have uh, Messias uh, seemed like he was sleeping and he had a really bad ball danger awareness in defense and as we've talked about last week's as well we're not really a fan of how the team is playing defensively and we can really suffer goals in the upcoming matches if we don't take those into consideration now yeah, and we didn't concede here, obviously, but the it's I think this point still stands that you know had we been facing a a team that was not Atletico, they probably would have capitalized on some of their chances. So, um, and I just want to go back also what you said, kind of the the phases and the flow of the game from the Santos perspective. Even the commentators uh, on uh, on Paramount Plus, uh, I'm not sure if it was who it was, um, but uh, they were talking about one of the issues with Santos is the match fitness and their ability to stay consistent throughout the 90 minutes. And I think that's been the case. I mean, uh, we can see these flashes of of brilliance that we we talk about. Of course, Doji, a player that's really making waves and that's been impressing me. 
Of course, we've got the kids, you know, Marcus Leonardo, Angelo, um, Daniel Ruiz, of course, um, also getting the start um, here today. Didn't have a great game. Uh, but, you know, these are these are players that you, you can you know how good they can be and you know how good their ceiling or well, how, you know, how great they can play up to a level. But the consistency is just not there. And I think fitness is a part of that. Um, Lucas Lima though, I thought had a pretty decent game. Um, but, but yeah, I mean the, the fitness and the defense is, uh, is, are definitely worries, uh, despite us keeping a clean sheet. Yeah. And as you mentioned, we have uh, great talents, young talents, but I don't know if this is a good thing because when you see the game and the highlights, uh, it was Marcos Leonardo who took a really unnecessary shot at the beginning of the second half, which did not scare anyone and not even the keeper Everson at all. And Miguelito also repeated his mistake by taking an unnecessary shot as well, uh, while having two wingers to pass on each side. And this is something that could be seen more and more from Santos if we put too many youngsters into the lineup because they're too young. They need to learn how to progress and play in different ways and when you don't have the experience then you do immature things and I remember seeing a stat two or three days ago about top 10 young talents that are probably going to be big into the next five or 10 years throughout the whole world and Santos had two two of them into the top 10 so it it would probably mean that uh, as a team we need to do much better thing with the with these young players but we can't put them all at the same time and give them free chances at their at their age like maybe seeing a player like Enrique for Palmeiras I know he's not been having the best start of the season but still Abel Ferreira doesn't promise him the 90 minutes he probably comes on for the last 10 or 30 or 20 minutes and this is something that motivates the player to do even better even if you don't have a substitute for him because when you're in Marcos Leonardo's place and you have nobody else to play in instead of him, he knows that no matter how he plays, he's still going to have the 90 minutes available to play and he's not going to learn from him from his mistakes and he doesn't grow as a player and Santos suffers from goal scoring opportunities as we've seen. Yeah, I think the options, we need options at the end of the day and I think we've got some but, I mean, even there's backlash. Bruno Mazenga came on in this game, uh, one of the heroes of the Paulista for Agua Santa. People aren't convinced with him, um, you know, but he kind of fits that mold of what you're looking for, that experienced player. I don't know if he's got the quality. Haven't seen enough of him uh, at the top, top level. So we'll have to see. Um, and, uh, I mean, you're right. This game is a perfect example of, uh, of some of these young guns um, with too much leash. Yeah, for players like Mazenga, I think he is too old, in my opinion, 33 or 34 years old at the moment. I thought he was younger, maybe at his 30s, like 29, 30, 28, something like that. But it seems like Santos either plays with really young players like Marcos Leonardo or really old ones, as we've seen in 2016 to 2019 when we had Ricardo Oliveira. He was really old, but still he scored goals and that's all we needed. And I think we can get a player like between the age 25 to 27, 28. That's going to be really great news for us as a team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do, unfortunately, with the financial situation of the club. Uh, obviously, older uh, players a little bit uh, 
a little bit cheaper. And then, of course, uh, nothing's cheaper than uh, a youngster that you don't have to pay for. So um, uh, Santos, again, getting the first point of the season. Atletico, same thing for them. Um, but uh, kind of a, a a boring match there. Uh, Fortaleza beating Curitiba, uh, 3-0. Um, this victory brought to you by the Fortaleza uh Management team, all goals were scored by new arrivals, Yago Pikachu uh, coming back to the club, uh, but Bruno Pacheco as well, um, at chipping in that first goal. So uh, good uh, on them and their their team there, their their player management and and, and recruitment will be happy with that win. Uh, but then, Enric, what happened here? This is a surprising result. Goyas and Corinthians uh, clashing uh, and Goyas going home. With all three points, they scored three uh, against Corinthians as well. And not only that, Corinthians scored first. So what on earth happened here? Yeah, first attack of the night. Roger Getz uh, might have probably scored the goal of Brasileiro this season. And what a shot that was. Very insane. And he seems like, I don't know if you people listening to this are aware or have ever had like animals like a sheep or a goat but the way how he plays is just like a goat like bouncing around and then scoring for fun so great to see him scoring for corinthians because i thought that coming to this match corinthians will definitely win this game and learn from their mistakes that they've probably had but Mateo Spichotto had different ideas. He tied the match in the 31st. He, they took advantage of many crosses, and they were able to respond and find the equalizer. And heading into the second half, surprisingly, both teams were looking for a winning goal. And it took until the last 10 minutes of the match for Goyas to score not one, but two goals with Halter and Apogee. And Apogee's goal uh, was crazy for the way how he took the ball in the air, got past defenders, and then produced a beautiful shot, which Castillo couldn't do anything about. And the name Apogee reminds me of his performance last year when he uh, he played against Santos. And I remember tweeting something about that day uh, on Twitter, saying like, oh, Apogee must be on drugs. And you tweeted or responded back. So I don't know if you remember this, Peter, but <laughs> I Apogee again in the score sheet for uh, Goyas and give, give him the win. Yeah, and what a goal that was. I mean, uh, you like taking down the ball and just he blew by his his defender as well. So... Yeah, that that was that was really nice, and he's not a kind of not a name that's on my radar. And I had Goyas, I think, at the bottom of my prediction table, um, so not expecting this result at all for them. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's not a lot to say here other than Goyas surprising a lot of people. Of course, they were at home, and but but do yourself a favor and check out that Apo G goal. Um, I don't remember our interaction. But uh, <laughs> uh, it it was I, impressive. Uh, I think it was around March or April of 2022. Mm-hmm. And I even looked look back on Twitter to find the tweet. But for some <laughs> reason, I can't see past like November or October. And I don't know what's happening to Twitter with all these updates. But if I would have found that, I would have, again, either sent it to you or have people look at it and then come back to this goal because it was insane as well. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll have to go, the, go on, uh, on Twitter and, and, and scrub the archives or not scrub, but scrape the archives. Um, so yeah, 
Corinthians, really disappointing. Uh, I think they'll be back. We'll get to uh, their change at the managerial position a little bit later, but uh, but really disappointing. Goyas getting the three points. Uh, Bahia and Botafogo also clash. Botafogo uh, bringing the win home. Uh, Pete's going to be happy about that. Um, and just uh, the, the only note here is two amazing goals from Botafogo. Junior Santos uh, and Cheche. Um, both scoring great goals, uh, giving Botafogo the win. So uh, they look good. Um, we do have the table here after the second round. Um, in my opinion, it's not very useful. I think the the old thing was the British newspapers never printed the table until match week eight or nine, something like that. But uh, it is worth noting here, Fluminense and Botafogo, the only teams that remain perfect. Uh, and Fluminense actually haven't even conceded a goal. So um good for them both teams have six points and uh three teams at the bottom they don't even have a point yet Bahia Coritiba and America Monero uh so things not starting on the on the right foot for for those three teams uh any comments on on the table or even the the last two games that we talked about Enric I don't know if you've noticed Peter but before Brasileiro started because Santos has the letter S, uh, they are usually down in the table before the week start, and they were positioned exactly 17 before match week one. And after the loss against Gremio, they were again positioned 17th. And once again, uh, after match week two, after the tie against Atletico Mineiro, again, they're positioned 17th. So I don't know how long this is going to be continuing for. <laughs> hopefully it changes today because they play against America and hopefully it's going to be a win there. But I don't like seeing Santos in the bottom four, even if it's only the first two or three weeks of Brasileira. Yeah, yeah, they better get out of that that 17th position soon. But yeah, I wonder wonder what the, the record is for the longest a team stays in one position that's not first place uh, uh, in in the course of a season. Um, all right. So that was Brasileirao. We also had some Copa do Brazil uh, third round, second leg uh, action going on midweek. Um, and I think, you know, we, we saw some pretty surprising results at various stages in this competition. I think the big teams are putting their foot down and they are really hammering home their, their advantage here. Um, Tons of results. Enric, uh, I'll just run through them all, and then you can kind of uh, take a second sweep um, and, and highlight anything. Uh, Flu um, beating Pasandu um, th- uh, 3-0, 6-0 on aggregate. Cruzeiro beating Nautico uh, 2-0 uh, to get that uh, 2-1 aggregate. Uh, Sao Paulo scraping by Ituano. Uh, Wellington Rato uh, getting um, the the lone goal to give send them through. Um Kind of a more interesting one. Um, Atletico Paranaense uh, winning 2-1 in the second leg, but meaning they go to pens on aggregate. Atletico just uh, scraping through on pens. Uh, Santos uh, to a very disappointing crowd. Only about 1,700 people in the stadium. Uh, there's some controversy around uh, ticket charging, uh, but they, they do get the one uh nil victory over Botafogo of Sao Paulo didn't look great 3-0 on aggregate they progress uh Sports de Recife making it through 5-3 on aggregate for uh, against Coritiba Atletico Mineiro making it through Fortaleza on aggregate 8-1 uh 
over over their opponents, uh, Aguia Maraba. Um, Palmeiras going through against Tombense. Uh, America Monero 7-1 uh, against Novo Iguazu uh, on aggregate. Uh, five goals scored in the second half is the note that Enner's got there. Flamengo coming back from that uh, 2-0 defeat to Maringa. Very embarrassing against the fourth side, fourth division side. Uh, <laughs> they win 8-2. That's not on aggregate. That's just one game to win 8-4 on aggregate. Um, and Corinthians, again, progressing on uh, on on pens. Bahia, Botafogo, Internacional, and Gremio all progressing as well. So tons to, to go over in that laundry list. Enric, Go ahead and uh, and kind of pinpoint some some of the talking points that uh, that you wanted to bring up. First of all, I want to start with uh, Fluminense. I know they won three 0 at home in the first leg, but coming to this match, I thought that other little bit maybe they give up and let Paisano get either a draw or one nil victory, but it was not the case, and it just explains how thirsty. Fluminense is this season and they have all their big guns with Herman Cano getting into the score sheet, Kino and John Kennedy also scoring. So 6-0 on aggregate is something impressive from Fluminense. Sao Paulo, they struggled in the in the first leg against Ituano, drawing at home. But again, under Dorival Jr., they were able to find that winning goal with Wellington Rato and had the lead and won the match 1-0 on aggregate. Atletico Paranaense. Uh, were 3-1 down at some point on aggregate against Serie B. But surprisingly, Alex Santana came back and scored two, I believe, in the last 10 minutes. And heading into penalty kicks, uh, the Atletico Pranense keeper Bento, I believe, was really impressive with his performance. And he was probably the reason why they won into the penalty shootouts. Santos, I think, uh, even if, even though they won 2-0 in the first leg coming into this match, they played at Villa Belmiro, as Peter mentioned. But Botafogo, I think they had a mainly rotated team, if not fully. So it would have been better to see Santos score more goals. So again, just like I mentioned earlier, 0-1 uh, to one goal uh, is all we saw into this match and did not look good at all. Tadeco Mineiro... Uh, they were losing to Brazil de Pelotas, which meant that a 2-2 aggregate score would go into penalty shootouts, but Saracho got the equalizer and sent Atletico Mineiro 3-2 on aggregate. And if he had not scored that goal, I don't know where Galos would have been and if they would have been able to win in penalty kicks. Palmeiras, uh, again, uh, won 4-2. Two in the first leg against the Mbense. Tying 1-1 is something that was pretty much expected. I don't think they were going for a victory here. America Mineiro, 7-1. Five goals scored in the second half. Uh, Flamengo uh, scoring eight against Maringa. And they're really humiliated. I mean, Maracanã, they scored early with Diagomai in the second minute. And Pedro got four goals into this match. And at some point, it was... Uh, 3-3 three, three on aggregate, and that's what I think got Flamengo even more frustrated and hungry to score even more, and they couldn't stop. So really impressive performance to watch from them. Eight goals in Maracanã. I think their fans would have definitely been very happy. Corinthians was also 
playing at the same time with Flamengo. And as Flamengo scored in the second minute, so did uh, Adson for Corinthians getting the lead early. And all they needed was a second goal into this match to tie all things on aggregate. And they couldn't do it. Ramos' defense was really good. And it only it took until the 93rd minute uh, a goal by Roger Getz to tie all things. And going into the penalty kicks, uh, Corinthians was able to find the winning winning 5-4 against Remo and I would have liked to see Remo going to the next stage uh their team I really like but was not the case because Corinthians did what they had to do and at the end of the day uh they were able to win this match and proceed to the next round and let's not forget about uh the Corinthians manager that got appointed six days ago Kuka he left due to family issues so I don't know how true that is but I don't like seeing managers leaving for a short period of time like he did last last two or three days ago. Yeah, and this is one of the uglier stories that actually I wasn't even aware of um, I, 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 when he was a manager at Santos. It just shows you, you know, kind of what, when these things come to the surface. But our friend Fabian, who runs the Corinthians English account, uh, was really, really disappointed uh, about Kuka coming in uh, because apparently he had these rape charges against him that he was actually convicted against in Switzerland. Um, and a large portion of the Corinthians uh, fan base was really against Kuka. They protested, they graffitied, they were really, really upset um, and uh, just not feeling well. And, and apparently, you know, it was just the decision was made that this was intolerable for the club and, and Kuka would leave uh, to, to um, you know, go on in advance but i mean you know this is something that's it's interesting that uh it's kind of popped up now where he had been i thought i saw some of his people that were kind of not defending his actions but defending him as a manager saying you know he had he had been to uh he had been on sport tv as a commentator he had done a bunch of different roles and and only now is this really becoming an issue so um he does leave and uh corinthians once again uh our, our manager list so we'll have to see where that goes yeah and other than that match i think the last one i have to, i'll have to mention is the csa against international uh international had won 2-1 in the first leg and in the second leg uh they conceded first there was a goal scored by a csa in the first half but Alan Patricki equalized and Inter had so many chances to win the game. They wasted these chances and CSA took advantage of them and found the second, which sent them to the penalty kicks. And when it comes to penalties, Internacional were able to win 7-6 and get to the next round in the round of 16. CSA, it's worth to say that they're a team that got promoted from Serie D in 2016, won Serie C in 2017, got promoted to Serie B in 2018, and played in Serie A, uh, although they were relegated alongside Cruzeiro, Chapecoense, Hawaii in the upcoming 2020 season. So it's an incredible story of them getting promoted year after year to the first division. And I would have liked to, to see them proceed to the next stage, but this was not the case. And Internacional gets a victory. And so do Gremio against ABSA winning 3-1 in aggregate. And um, now we have all the 16 teams uh, are ready to play for the next round. Uh, the first legs will be played on May 17th and the second on May 31st. And Santos seems like uh, 
they're on the bad side of the table and might be versing some really difficult teams, in my opinion. So, Peter, looking at those teams, who would you like to see Santos play against? Like, pick two or three that you have in mind that maybe we can get a chance to get into the next round. Well, I don't want to see any of them, to be honest. But I think you'd have to say... Uh, you'd be, you'd probably want to look at a team like Atletico Monero. We've already seen them. We can we can take a point off them, uh, or two points off them. Like, well, we can we can earn a point off them, um, or, or maybe even a team like Fortaleza, uh, Sao Paulo, teams that are kind of, um, uh, that, you know, I I wouldn't say that are top top teams in, in Brazil, um, but I'll tell you what we don't want to see. We do not want to see Flamengo, Palmeiras. Uh, Atletico Paranaense or Fluminense. Those those are teams that I'm really hoping to avoid. Um, I think I think the best situation would be Galo or, or Fortaleza, uh, uh, depending on you know um, how those two teams are 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 doing and are, what their forms look like. Yeah, I definitely think the same. I think we should avoid Flamengo, Palmeiras, and Fluminense. And then when it comes to other teams, Fortaleza will probably be maybe the easiest way to the next round, but we never know how that's going to turn up to be. And I would like to see, if it's not Fortaleza, I would like to see teams from the Sao Paulo state because like Sao Paulo or Corinthians uh, are teams that we know more of and have had experiences in the Campeonato Paulista. And looking at a 2-2 draw against Corinthians a month ago, maybe this is going to be the same way uh, for Santos. Although we played, I believe, in uh, two years ago in the 2021 season, we lost 3-0 in the first leg. I think William was there. and Or even, it could have been last year. But again, it just explains to you how Santos is not really prepared for these big stages in championships. And Copa do Brasil is something that we haven't won in uh, maybe 13 years, and hopefully we're going to be able to do it somehow this year. We will see. Um, all right. So let's look ahead to uh, the, the coming week in, in football in Brazil um, and on the continent. Of course, we're uh, we're recording this Saturday. Um, so later today, we've got some big games kicking off, including a huge uh, derby here. Palmeiras and Corinthians uh, facing off. Palmeiras looking to bounce back and get that uh, those three points. Um, a couple of other really big matches, including another huge derby in Rio, Flamengo and Botafogo on Sunday. Um, so two teams, uh, Botafogo, of course, like I said, are perfect. They've got six from six. Flamengo will want to bounce back after that loss. Um, other than those two matches, any matches that uh, you have your eye on, Enric? No, I think the same way as you, uh, pretty straightforward. Palmeiras, Corinthians, Flamengo, Botafogo, and then again, Santos playing against America. America had has been losing 3-0 in the first and second round, so hopefully they're going to continue their sequence against Santos and lose again 3-0 and give us their first three points in the, in the league. All right. Uh, Copa Libertadores is back midweek as well. Um, some big games. I mean, all of these are big games. Uh, River and Fluminense. Wow, that game could be very, very juicy. To use the word we used earlier, uh, Independiente de Valle and Corinthians. Again, nice, nice game. Top tier talent. Um, 
Uh, you've got um, uh, Barcelona and Palmeiras, which are, is always interesting. Um, and Racing uh, versus Flamengo. If you listen to uh, the interview with Pete, um, you know that he's and Botafogo's got their eye on a kid, Matias Rojas uh, from Racing. And uh, old, old top scorer, I think, uh, from Brazil. And also a uh, player for Flamengo is that Racing, uh, Paulo Guerrero. Uh, the Peruvian star uh, still banging in goals for Racing in Argentina. So uh, very, very cool to see uh, those two teams go against each other. Uh, in terms of Sudamericana, uh, again, more big matches. Uh, we've got LDU, Liga de Quito versus uh, Botafogo. Uh, we've got Estudiantes versus Bragancino, Millonarios in America. But, and I promise you, I'm not just saying this because we're Santos fans, but the standout fixture here. If for nothing other than the history, both these teams maybe not doing having their best seasons, but Newell's old boys versus Santos, the club of uh, Messi versus the club of ne- um, of well, yeah, of Neymar, but also Pelé, uh, two incredibly historic teams clashing. Um, uh, really awesome to see, um, and I'm really excited just to see these two teams uh, on the pitch together. Iconic uniforms as well. Uh, with the red and the black from Newell's and and, and just the all white from Santos. So uh, regardless of that game, I think it's just going to be a cool environment and and match to see. So Enric, of all those matches, uh, if you have any comments, uh, you know, speak now. Um, and if if I'll, nothing else, you want to just suggest a game that you're looking forward to. Well, I'll have to choose three games, two from Libertadores and again, Sudamericana. I think Santos is probably the best match to watch, as you mentioned, Messi against Neymar and Back in 2020, we had the Neymar or Pele against Maradona match between Santos and Boca Juniors. We were able to win that, and hopefully we're going to do the same thing here. But in Copa Libertadores, uh, Fluminense playing River Plate, I think Fluminense needs to be prepared for this match because of the fact how an Argentinian team came into the in Brazil uh, and won 1-0 Argentinos Juniors against Corinthians. So it might be the same thing here. And River Plate, I think uh, they're in a really good run. I was watching them last night and they conceded a red card around the 15th or 20th minute, conceded a goal. And then they're still they were able to equalize in the 93rd. So they're a team that you should really be afraid of. And looking at their past performances, other than in last night's game, they had been winning for nine or ten games straight, either one nil, two nil, or three nil. So they barely concede any goals. So Fluminense really needs to learn how how they play and maybe get a result against them at home. And then again, other than that, it's going to be the Racing against Flamengo match. Again, a Brazilian team playing against Argentinian squad. So these are the top three matches to look forward to, in my opinion. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, another exciting week of Brazilian football in the books. And another exciting week of football to come. So uh, that's going to be it for this week podcast. Uh, we've got some amazing content coming up that we're really excited about. Uh, but for now, we are signing off and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye.